So let me get this straight. The man in the parable in, in the gospel lesson today is suddenly released from a million dollar debt. And then he turns around and cruelly mistreats someone who owes him a, a measly 10 bucks. Jesus says that, that he put him in prison until he could pay his debt. Can you believe that? No. No way. Not going to happen. Except it did. And it does. Different details, of course. But the same story. That's why Jesus told that parable. Even though he used what can seem to be an absurd illustration. He was making a point. He takes Peter's question about, about how many times we need to forgive someone and he flips it on its head. Peter asked the wrong question. But that gave Jesus an opening to address something that he had seen happen before. Well, that has to be the reason that he told that parable and, and uh, concluded it by saying that the ungrateful sermon himself, or servant himself, was thrown into prison. And then gives this warning. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Can you believe that? Do you believe that? You should. Jesus said it. And we can believe everything that Jesus says. Let's believe him now. As we wrestle with the issue of, of since we have been forgiven, we want also to be forgiving. And I'm going to try to get at this topic by uh, asking three pretty basic questions. Whom? Why? And how? Whom? Whom does God forgive? You know the answer to that, right? Everyone. I bet you know the answer to the next question, too. Whom should we forgive? <laughs> also, everyone. How about this one? Whom do you need to forgive right now? I can't answer that one for you. You might know the answer. Uh, for some of you, I'm sure a name or a face came immediately to mind. And others can't think of anyone in particular. Either way, Jesus has something to say to us. And as, as we try to understand what he is saying to us, I, I, I want to make sure that, that we don't fall into one of, of two extremes on either end of the spectrum. The first one I'm, uh, I'm labeling as ingratitude. I think there's probably a better way to say it. I just haven't come up with it yet. But I, I'm talking about a, a nonchalant, cavalier attitude towards Jesus. Failing to see a connection between two events. The one event where he graciously forgive our sins and, and another event where we have the opportunity to do the same for someone else. Well, you know how it goes, don't you? 
We, we just say kind of a quick, hey, thanks, Lord, when he forgives us. And then we go on about our business as if nothing important just happened. That is what Jesus is addressing in the parable. It was a problem then. And wouldn't you agree that it's still a problem today for many Christians? Actually, you should not agree with that last statement because it is a problem today not for many Christians, but for all Christians, or each one of us, at one time or another, or in one way or another. Well, that's one extreme, the ingratitude. The other extreme I'm, I'm calling despair. Where we agonize over our inability or, or maybe our, our imperfect willingness to forgive someone else. And, and we're terrified that God is going to forgive us only as much as we have forgiven someone else. And that's how some people have interpreted the words of Jesus. I understand why they might do that, but I've got to say that is not the correct interpretation. Now, failing to forgive is certainly a sin. But it is not an unforgivable sin. It's no different really than any other failure to perfectly obey God's law. Jesus wants each of us to know that we are really, truly, and fully forgiven. Maybe we can think about it this way. Uh, girls and boys, you're getting ready to go back to school. Maybe, maybe this year you're even more excited about it, and we certainly pray that that, that happens. And what is every boy and girl's favorite subject in school, if not math. Well, maybe not. It used to be one of my favorite subjects till it got too difficult for me. I'm thinking that was around the fifth or sixth grade. But God's math can be the favorite subject for each one of us. And, and I'm talking about God's addition and subtraction. How because of the, the sacrificial death of Jesus, God has subtracted all our sins from our account. It's as if we had never sinned in the first place. But also, did you know he adds something to our account? And that is Jesus' perfect obedience to his law. Through faith in Christ, that gets added to our account. Again, as if we had never sinned, and as if we had always perfectly kept the law ourselves. Remember our answer to the question, whom does God forgive? Of course you do. It was everyone. That includes a lot of people, doesn't it? Maybe the most important thing for us to remember right now is that it also includes you. We can talk about forgiveness in kind of an abstract, general way. That's not the way Jesus comes to us. He comes to us personally and individually to assure us that our sins are forgiven. You know, sometimes we might feel like Joseph's brothers in the Old Testament lesson. They weren't too sure that Joseph had forgiven them, even though he had told them earlier that he indeed had. Now, we're not told why they thought that, but we can come up with our own ideas that certainly seem to make sense to me. One is what they knew about their sin, and another what they knew about themselves. 
They knew that their sin against Joseph had been terrible indeed as, as they had sold him into slavery really for no good reason at all and, and doomed him to a terrible life even though God, as he meant, Joseph mentioned in the Old Testament lesson, God had different thoughts and, and brought a lot of good out of that. You can read about that in the book of Genesis, the last probably 12 or 13 chapters. They knew their sin was awful. Maybe they also knew about themselves. Again, we're not told this, but maybe they knew about themselves that, that their own hearts were unforgiving. And so they couldn't imagine that Joseph's heart would be any different. But actually, if that's the case, they started out on the right track because it is important for us to be totally honest, brutally honest with ourselves about ourselves. The problem is they got stuck there. What would have helped is if they could have, have lifted their focus off of themselves and their sin and, and placed it on Joseph and his mercy. And of course, you know, that's what God wants us to do, to, to lift our focus from ourselves and our sin and, and to place it on Jesus and his mercy. And when we do that, we can remember and, and be assured once again that God forgives us. And then we also remember that God helps us to forgive others. Now there's another wrinkle, of course, this whole thing of, of forgiving others. Um, in the story of Joseph, the brothers come to him and ask his forgiveness. They do that because they're terrified he's going to punish them otherwise. But still, they come and ask for his forgiveness. What are we to do if somebody has sinned against us but does not come and ask forgiveness? If they don't want it, why should we give it to them? I'll tell you why. It's because that is what God does. And also what he invites us to do. So we're talking about the why now. And the answer to that question why, first of all, is not to be forgiven. It's already happened. But because we are forgiven. In other words, we don't earn forgiveness. We respond to it, to what Jesus has done for us to what God has given to us. God invites us to forgive others. Now, I know it is a command to forgive. And sometimes it can seem as if it's an impossible command, and, and certainly without God's help, it is. But I'm convinced that just as much as a command, this is an invitation from God because he knows that it's good for us to forgive others. And it's good for others as well. Those are two big reasons why God invites us to forgive. First, for our own benefit, for our spiritual benefit. That as we wrestle with, with trying to forgive someone, maybe that can awaken us to the sacrifice that God had to make in order to forgive us. And, and, and when that happens, our hearts can be softened once more, also towards God to, to receive so gratefully the forgiveness that he gives us. But you know, there's also an, an emotional dimension to this. And, and to point that out, I'm going to share with you a couple of quotes. The first one is from an individual who's not a Christian, but what he says is still true. When you forgive, 
you in no way change the past. You sure do change the future. Think of how that can help us emotionally. The, the, the second quote there is from a man who very definitely is a Christian. I'll say a little bit more about him in, in just a minute. But isn't this true? To forgive is to set a prisoner free. To discover that the prisoner was you. That's why God invites us to forgive others. Because that benefits us. But it also benefits others when we are able to forgive. It benefits the one who has sinned against us. You know, even if that person isn't aware of our forgiveness or doesn't ask for our forgiveness, it still benefits us to forgive them, but it also benefits them because that will change how we respond to them the next time we see them. But if they are aware of the forgiveness and if, and if they are participating in that, what a joy it is for a relationship to be mended and restored by the grace of God. And others also see that, don't they? Uh, many times we, uh, we quote our congregational mission statement, and especially now in this 175th year, we haven't been able to talk about it as much as, uh, as we would have otherwise, but the mission statement of showing others by word and deed how beautiful it is to live with Jesus, people see that. Those who already know Jesus are encouraged and strengthened in their faith. When they see God's people forgiving others, people who don't know Jesus, when they witness that as well, can very much be surprised by it and, and wonder, how in the world can you do that? That's what it means to show them by word and deed how beautiful it is to live with Jesus. And there's no better way to demonstrate that than by forgiving others. Which, of course, then brings us to the question, how? And if you want a step-by-step -step approach that is guaranteed to work every time, yeah, you're going to be disappointed. And we'll have a little bit to say about that in a minute. But, but first, I want to share a couple of books with you. Uh, these were written by the, uh, uh, the individual that we quoted before about setting the prisoner free and, and discovering that it was you. Uh, by the way, these books are available on Amazon. They just happen to be on sale. They're more than four bucks off. So $12.39 is what I paid for them. And uh, you know, uh, the way Amazon works, if you order these before the end of the service, they might be waiting for you uh, when you get home after church today. And if they don't get there that quickly, it's worth the wait. I, well, I read Forgive and Forget. I, I did a quick read of that before I recommend a book. I wanted to, uh, to, to read it. And, and this is a Christian author. He does a great job, especially of drilling down into how can God, does God help us to forgive others. And the art of forgiving, I, I started to do a quick read of, and then I realized that a lot of that material was pretty much what was already in uh, Forgive and Forget. So I would say order one or the other, um, or both, but certainly order one or the other especially if you have any interest in, in digging into this in any more detail. Okay, but we're going to address that question a little bit more now of how. Well, you might have noticed that is not, though, the question that Peter asked in the gospel lesson. It is the one that Jesus answered. Peter's question was not how, it was how often. Jesus' answer really was for both questions, how and how often, because his answer is from the heart. And, and when we forgive from the heart, we don't keep count, 
So it doesn't matter how often. Forgiveness begins in the heart. A heart that knows forgiveness, the million dollars that's been forgiven and and also recognizes that almost always any offense that's committed against us really is is no more than, than 10 bucks by comparison. Our ability to forgive begins with a heart that has been forgiven, that has experienced God's loving forgiveness, and which then offers a heartfelt prayer. I can't tell you exactly what that prayer is going to be. It depends on your circumstances. Uh, You know, we don't always need even to to offer a prayer to forgive. We can just do it because it's pretty minor and and we forgive and and forget sometimes and, and move on. Other times it's not so easy. And then we offer that heartfelt prayer. God, please help me to to forgive this individual. Although I know there are times we're not even ready to do that. Maybe the, the hurt is so fresh or the wound is so deep. We're not sure we want to forgive. Then what is our prayer? How about, Lord, would you help me want to forgive. And if it's a really bad injury, maybe we're not even there yet. And then we have to say, Lord, would you help me want to want to forgive? And you know what? He is going to answer whatever prayer you pray. He's going to help you to forgive it as you, as you reflect on his forgiveness for you. It's, it might take some time. It might take a lot of time. It might take a lot of effort. It's certainly going to take a lot of prayer. And, and you might never think that you've done it. Because what we are trying to do is something that does not come naturally or, or easily for us. Doesn't mean we give up. As, Chris, as Christians, our desire is to forgive as we have been forgiven. To forgive not as we are apt to do naturally, but as God does supernaturally. Completely without strings. Isn't it great to be forgiven? An added bonus is when we're able to live that way. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.